Monkey Knife Fight is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site on the planet, and MKF is giving you free money and free dynasty football content with your initial deposit. Are you ready to rumble? Open a new account with a minimum $10 deposit to MKF, and you'll receive a free DynastyLeagueFootball.com annual premium membership. This offer is also good to extend your current DLF annual membership by one year. Monkey Knife Fight will also match your initial deposit amount, doubling your bankroll up to a maximum of $50. Featuring football, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, esports, prop bets, and more, you'll find plenty of entertaining contest options, even in these uncertain times. Monkey Knife Fight provides DFS games with no salary caps, so if you correctly predict the outcome, you're guaranteed to win. And there are no sharks, no professionals to prevent you from claiming your prize. At MKF, you will not get algorithmed by the top 1% who dominate other fantasy sites. So check out the new and improved DFS and prop bet experience, claim your deposit match, and your free DynastyLeagueFootball.com premium membership, all at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the trade addicts podcast thank you and enjoy your podcast from dynastyleadfootball.com and the dlf family a podcast that's james the brain Guys, OBJ is acting like an ODB, and Kareem Hunt just signed a two-year deal to stay in Brownstown. What do you say? Can we just make this a Browns podcast tonight? We're not talking about OBJ. (laughs) We're not talking about that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's the excellence of execution. Brian, the hitman har. Hey, uh, can somebody tell me what the hell is going on in here tonight? Beckham. Beckham's, uh, yeah, yeah, Beckham, Beckham's happening. Uh, that's uh, that's Star Healing, Doctor Ethan Turner. I cannot confirm nor deny that OBJ may have a mental disorder, but to each their own. That's Swagzilla. In 2019, Aaron Rodgers had the worst completion percentage in the NFC North. Mm, interesting. I thought it would sound worse if I said it was worse than Mitch Trubisky, though. Uh, oh, I like that. And that's super duper blue. <laughs> I clip my nose hairs. I'm ready to roll. <laughs> <laughs> and it's me. It's me. It's that old SFD. And this is... The Super Flex Super Show. I was going to uh, point out that this is the 
this is the cast. This isn't a this isn't a guest appearance. This is the full cast of the Superflex Super Show. But then Swags has to go <laughs> <laughs> endear himself to the rest of us. I know. Short go number lived. two on Aaron Rodgers, like he's Odo Beckham Jr. or something. Short lived. Bill's using the camera like a mirror to pluck his nose, but don't don't bring up that Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, you leave my Aaron Rodgers alone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the super show is back football is back and uh yeah special announcement time because this is this is the super team this is we've got more announcements to make as far as this goes but for the moment just just so you know swagzilla zero g and uh super dupa flex bill mccarthy are the newest members of the super team and permanent co-hosts of the super flex super show and uh we're super excited to have them yeah and, this is awesome yeah you're gonna yeah. be hearing a lot of us together so yeah yeah yep. super stoked man so thank you guys for for having us yeah super man. flex super show super stoked <laughs> it's just this is just super super stoked for the super team also, yeah, John's probably super bummed because now he is two spots lower on the fans' rankings of the hosts, which is super devastating for him. I was about to say something nice about you too, but um, yeah, <sighs> that's that's yeah. I mean, we can always do a short together, Ethan, if we get kicked off by the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> might just, might just. Uh, <laughs> all of this, all these moves, just in time. For the start of the 2020 season, I mean, we're when this comes out, we're just a little over 24 hours away from uh, from the first game of the 2020 NFL season, Chiefs and Texans. And so, what we kind of wanted to do tonight, more than anything, is uh, give you kind of a glimpse of what our in-season content is going to look like. Definitely not going to dive into the uh, the start sits the way we did last year as a, maybe a little too intense, but uh, we still have some. To me, I, I the super the super show the super team has some superpowers. I believe with our super flex standard operating procedures, and then of course, um, yeah, that guy who uh, I I've I've never seen. A uh, any kind of certificate on the wall or anything, but supposedly he's a doctor, so we're gonna let him talk like one. <laughs> the studio is being put together, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm working very hard mm -hmm. to become higher quality, and that's some big talk from a dude with a shower curtain behind him. So <laughs> they're blankets. Thank you very much. Just because it takes you seven years to set up a clinic doesn't make you a doctor. I think it's taken him longer to set up his mic, but <laughs> shut up, James. Anyways, how about we, we do some SOPs and uh, we've got some final thoughts for you guys as, uh, uh, at the end of this thing, right before we get into the season. Um, just a little bit of reflection on the non-point scoring season. Um, some final uh, words of wisdom going into the season. But let's start off with our Superflex SOPs. So it, it, this is this is something that we do throughout the season, every single week without fail, talking about guys that you can add and drop. There's not going to be a lot of them right now. 
as we prepare to go into week one. But I think that there are some guys on the waivers that probably belong on rosters and some guys that you can get rid of uh, to clear a little space. Some buys and sells. There's already some movement in uh, in player values, trade values. So we're going to talk about some guys that you could trade for and trade away uh, while they're uh, while they're at peak value here. And then one of our favorites next week, this week, guys that right now you can get them as free agents. You don't even have to use a waiver claim. You don't have to spend any fab. But next week they're going to be they're going to be expensive. They're going to be the top priorities on waivers next week. So get them now, stash them now before they get way too expensive. Let's jump into it with some ads and drops. Super duper bill. I know you've got some guys to add for us. Yeah. My, uh, the first one that kind of jumped out to me and I noticed that he was available in a lot of my leagues as of right now, but if you're in any tight end premium, actually, even if not, it might be, Nick Boyle might not be a bad ad. He uh, is the only other tight end on the roster for Baltimore. And, I mean, Hurst, Hayden Hurst put up some pretty decent stats last year. I mean, Boyle even looked pretty solid playing for Baltimore last year as kind of the blocking tight end. But, I mean, they're going to have to use him a little bit more in the passing game, I think, Um, especially when it's just Andrews and him. And at least historically, Andrews doesn't – get on the field a ton. He doesn't play a lot of snaps. And so I think Boyle is a pretty solid ad, um, you know, before, before the season starts or before you see him play, just because I think you can get him for free now, but are in a lot of your leagues. Um, then the other guys that I was kind of maybe in deeper leagues, just situationally, it might be somebody worth adding to your roster right now. Um, just if you're uh, in need of any quarterback help, maybe adding James uh, James Morgan from the Jets, who's the backup quarterback right now with Flacco being out. So um, Darnold's a little bit, you know, he moves around, gets out of the pocket a decent amount. I mean, he's historically gotten banged up. So, I mean, Morgan might all of a sudden fall into some um, playing time. You know, God forbid something happens to Darnold. And then the other one is also um, a quarterback, uh, Jake Luton, who is the only quarterback on the Jags um, roster other than um, Minshew. And he's in the exact same situation that Minshew was last year. He was a six-round pick, enters the season as a backup quarterback. And, you know, something bad happens. He falls into a situation where he's getting on the field and playing. Saw James up there nodding his head when you were talking about Sam Darnold because he thinks STD stands for soft tissue disease. <laughs> <laughs> As if that's going to keep happening. Ethan, is that correct? I saw it. I saw it in your eyes. Dude, the guy's going to get the black plague and you're going to be like, what in the hell? Who gets the black plague? Sam Darnold. It gets happens. The black plague. It uh, happens. Yeah. To Sam Darnold, he's he's like the perfect candidate for it. Like, you don't even need to read his resume to know that he is like fit to get the black plague. Like, that's that's it, it's going to happen to him. Like, the guy got mono, the only guy in the NFL last year to get mono. Like, I, it just, yeah. So I love I love the James Morgan call. I think it's great. 
I think that's a guy that could definitely see the field and probably will, to be honest with you. Um, I also love the Nick Boyle call, man. Ah, so fantastic. Baltimore ran so many two and three tight end sets last year. They, they like that run heavy set. Uh, and, and, and like you said, Bill, not only, uh, you know, last season, not only did we see um, uh, there was a few tight ends. Nick Boyle actually got a little bit of a run last year himself. But, yeah, we saw Hayden Hurst a little bit. We saw uh, Max Williams. Even We saw guys who were just like, you know, t- tight end twos, tight end threes, tight end fours at times that would just like have some relevant moments in fantasy because of it. Uh, this guy's one injury away from being very, very relevant. We know that Lamar Jackson likes to utilize the tight ends, especially in the red zone. So I, th- I think that's a great call, Bill. I love it. I've got one guy for you to drop, Adrian Peterson. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because we've got two Lions fans who can uh, speak to this even better than I can. But for anyone who is drafting Adrian Peterson, thinking that he was going to be the number one in Washington, obviously not the case. Uh, Now he lands with the Detroit Lions, and there is absolutely no reason to stash the third running back on any team. Uh, you know, for to, why take up the roster space? That's, yeah. And, and I am, I'm curious that like, do you guys think that there is any kind of role, any kind of volume available to Adrian Peterson? Uh, maybe a little bit like week one and two, depending on how long Swift's out. I mean, Carrion isn't the picture of health either. So you could see that viable like role if he has an opportunity, but I don't know. I, I'm with you on on kind of cutting bait here on Adrian Peterson. I mean, he accepted less money than Devontae Freeman's trying to get today, and there, there's a reason for that. So yeah, I I don't know, man. I don't know about you, Bill, but I slept in a little later that day, and I woke up to that news, and it is seriously kind of affected my morning negatively. I was so bummed to see that we signed Adrian Peterson. Yeah, I mean, as for being on your roster, I mean, I just think if if you weren't uh, rostering Bo Scarborough, then you probably shouldn't roster uh, sure, Adrian Peterson point. because I think that they're going to f- fill similar roles. And Scarborough was just put on the IR, so I'm assuming that's why they they signed him was just to kind of fill that. And so, um, I mean, there may be a little upside, like Swag said, early in the season, but I'm not. I'm not going to have him on my roster unless he's sitting there and I have nobody else to add. Yeah. And and honestly, even like John said, if you had him because you thought he was going to be your starting running back when he was in Washington, I don't know. Your team was already kind of desperate at running back anyway, because that situation you didn't really see present itself till the guys incident. So I, I don't know. I'm guessing you have better options. We've got a lot to talk about when it comes to IR as well. Um, Ethan in particular has something to say, so we're, we'll get to that part. But uh, uh, let's get to some buys and sells and and har um, some guys that we can uh, that we should be targeting in trades right now. Yeah, so there's two for me that stood out. One that that immediately when when I saw this available on our show sheet, I wanted to jump all over because I wanted to talk about it a little bit. And then the second one just is a guy whose name kind of just keeps coming up in a lot of Twitter threads that I've been reading and watching some videos and different things of him. Um, 
I think he's got a chance. The first guy is Jalen Rager. And I, I think to me, you know, f- so first of all, he's only owned in 31% of Yahoo leagues, which is ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, even in redraft, it, this is ridiculous. This is Philly's best, best wide receiver by far. Um, he's banged up right now. Yeah, he's probably going to miss a week or two here at the beginning of the season. Um, but I think Jalen Rager really has an opportunity of being the best rookie wide receiver, or at least having the best rookie season of the wide receivers um, in this class once he's healthy and, and going. Now, Ethan, again, was hopefully going to talk a little bit about him later, maybe, uh, about the shoulder injury that he he sustained. But um, if, if you have somebody that's worried because of the injury, um, you know, again, with, with my limited knowledge of shoulder injuries, uh, I'm, I'm taking this opportunity to to buy, uh, to buy and, and to try to roster him in as many leagues as I can. Um, if there's even a slight discount on this guy, I want him on my roster. So, and then the second guy is Miko Hardman. And for me, I, I just, I mean, I, mean I, I think when you look at Kansas city's depth chart, you know, he's always right behind Tyreek Hill, right? So, you know, Sammy's listed as a starter, Sammy Watkins, and uh, you know, that's going to scare some people away from me, Cole. Um, but I think this dude, I mean, he has uber speed i mean just ridiculously fast um and and i think he's going to get an opportunity i mean the the chiefs receivers are a little banged up right now too now it looks like they're probably gonna all be back to go uh on thursday night but um you know i i just think hardman's gonna have some more opportunities this year uh and this is a guy that you know are are you gonna have some weeks where he doesn't get targeted a lot probably you're also going to have weeks where he probably catches two bombs for 160 yards and two touchdowns so uh he's another guy that i'm interested in having on rosters and i think you know before he has one of those games where he goes just absolutely nuts um i I think you know now's the time to target him before he kind of blows up yeah i like it so my, I'm going to piggyback off Brian for my, uh, I'm going to add a sell too. like, you might have a, a quick sell opportunity to try to get rid of some of those Alston Jeffrey shares with Rager being out. Just maybe people over, overreact into that a little bit and take whatever you can get. I mean, he could probably be on the cut list up there with Adrian Peterson, as far as I'm concerned, but I mean, you might be able to get a little bit of something just, just because of people overreacting a buy low window open for Rager. So there's a sell high for somebody else. Deshaun Jackson. That one feels there, like Yeah, there you go. But that guy always well, seems to light up week one. So like maybe wait till after week one and then just sell them. Yeah, don't they have a good matchup too? I think it's uh it's Washington. Yeah. The Washington football team. Yeah, so yes. I guess that's true. That was just funny. I said I said Deshaun Jackson and like all of the mute signs just went off of the screen. I was like, oh god, what I do. <laughs> and then my other cell. It, I mean, my, my next two kind of just trigger me because I just don't quite get it. But start with Chris Thompson, who may not even like have much. I think he's what going to have the he's third on the depth chart, I believe now. Sounds like uh, James Robinson's going to be the starter. But I mean, man, even if James Robinson wasn't the starter, if he wasn't even born in ever this this Chris Thompson hype got so out of hand and everybody wants to keep coming at you with like well he's he's Gruden's boy he's Gruden's boy but I feel like while they're saying that they don't really go back and look at 
what he did or didn't do. Like you're talking about a running back who in seven years has a total of six yards under 1200. And in the passing game, I mean, obviously we've gotten some points from him in PPR there. So that, and, and it's no joke. I mean, 1,772 yards in the receiving game, but man, this guy's never quite like put this all together in one, one season. I mean, even his best, his best rushing ever was 356 yards and people thought that he was all of a sudden going to be a bell cow. There might still be an opportunity to sell. Cause I'm still seeing a lot of people ask questions about Chris Thompson and should I start him or him? So some people still believe in Chris Thompson. If they're questioning the idea of starting him I think there's still a window here, but I think it's closing. Um, I just don't get what happened here. And then my other one is Antonio Gibson. I saw somebody, Got two 2021 firsts and two fourth-round picks for Antonio Gibson. And, and man, I I wouldn't give you a second, to be completely honest with you. Now they're saying he may not even be the starter. Actually, I mean, he's not listed as the starter. Yeah, J.D. McKissick is. Yeah, it, it just got crazy. Like, we need to slow our rolls. Ah, man. So by the <laughs> way, I really like like taking the analysis on Chris Thompson to the extreme. Like not it's not just like if James Robinson had never joined the team, but it's like if he was never even born. If his yeah. dad had pulled out, this would be a totally <laughs> different conversation right now. <laughs> Chris Thompson oh, still wouldn't have value. Like, yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> So I think we need to make that stick. Yes, uh, all just, the protection in the world and Chris Thompson was worthless. That that would just mean that they didn't cut Fournette, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was man, definitely not a snip. Big time, um, big time butterfly effect. All of a sudden, I, I will say <laughs> like, how many careers were affected by <laughs> Mr. <one>. Robinson, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> oh my goodness! Now I know a how lot. that song originated. All right, domino effect. <laughs> Birds so and those are guys uh, tonight here, boys. I, and I don't have shares of either of those guys, but I still think you could capitalize before their ultimate failure yeah antonio gibson's price is ridiculous i've seen polls where it was him straight up for deandre swift like dude you guys realize that deandre swift is like coming into this draft class before landing spots was either the best or second best on everyone's list as far as talent goes at the running back position and now people like would rather have antonio gibson like no offense to antonio gibson but like how how much do we see Washington really scoring? Like, I, I just it it boggles my mind a little bit that like his value has has jumped that much, and the guy's not even listed as a starter. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. it's like get what you can now because I think his value just continues to go down once the season starts. Twenty twenty, like with no preseason and nothing to watch, and twenty twenty has been the biggest like hype off season. If there's any kind of news, there's always this flavor of the day. And uh, man, they irritate me. <laughs> Who's going to score more? Who's going to score more? Washington or James Robinson's parents? 
I'm going to keep coming back to this. People are going to think I'm sexually frustrated or something with how much I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to take James Washington's parents. Um, We're never going to know the answer unless we get them on the podcast. So we're going to make that happen by the end of the year. And they're way too busy for that. They messed up the world enough after James Robinson, so they were done. Yeah, they've ruined so many careers with that. I'm sure they're fine as long as Chris Thompson doesn't listen to the podcast because he's got to be pissed at him, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Chris Thompson is probably the only one that knew that Chris Thompson wasn't going to have a dominant role on the team. Him and Gruden. That's probably true. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's go to our next one, our next segment. And like I said, this is this is one of our favorites because to me, this is one of the use the most useful. Uh, but underutilized segments in all of fantasy football analysis because we, you know, we end up waiting for these guys to have that big boom week. And then while they're still on waivers and then it's a mad dash to go get them and you have to spend all your fab on them or you have to give up your waiver priority to get them. Let's do it a week early. Let's get them while they're still free before they have that monster week, get them for, get them cheaper free now stash them for a week and then when everybody runs to the waivers to get them you've already got them how about that what do you think james next week this week i like that even better that is nice keep forgetting i keep forgetting we've got the human drop machine over there yeah we got to utilize that a little bit more because he's definitely not selling merchandise like he's supposed to so (laughs) Um, we, um, all right. Anyways, I'm I'm going to start, man. Okay, so depending on how deep your league is, how many teams you've got, all that, it's going to depend on who's available, right? So I, I kind of chose a few different guys that have a different variety or different level of, you know, availability depending on on your team, your roster, your league, uh, that sort of thing. But I'm going to start with James Washington and look. By all accounts, Deontay Johnson didn't have a great training camp this year. James Washington did. James Washington's the guy that Big Ben actually used when he was healthy a couple years ago. He hasn't thrown a pass to Deontay Johnson yet. We don't really know what the chemistry is going to be with those two. Either way, they can be independent of each other and still have value, though, because James Washington fills a role that I don't think anybody else does. This guy can be a deep threat. If Big Ben's arm feels as good as, as everyone is reporting that it uh, it looks, man, he, he could be in for a season. And if he is, James Washington is going to be relied on heavily. Week one, they are playing the New York Giants. That secondary is awful. DeAndre Baker, who was a guy that they could have put in the slot, well, they, they had to get rid of him because of four four uh, armed robbery uh, accounts there in um, charges in Florida. Uh, so, yeah, their, their secondary is hurting even more now because of that. So uh, Pittsburgh on a Monday night going up against the Giants, this is the week where you see them get healthy, in my opinion. Speaking of health, I want the guy who's going to be healthy. I think James Washington can be that guy. I don't know how many uh, carries you want to give James Conner. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking the passing attack is going to be there. Look, I want the the consistency. I want the comfortability in this year where there hasn't been a preseason. Guys like Eric Ebron and Deontay Johnson aren't guys that Big Ben's going to be comfortable right away with. James Washington could be. That's a guy that I think you can get for cheap to nothing. Pick him up now, and then next week after everybody's running to the waivers and they see you got him, they're going to have to make an offer to you to get him off of your squad. 
Another guy I really like, Antonio Gandy-Golden. Look, Washington's going to have to throw. I think game script-wise, this team's going to be behind. They don't really have a lot of options there. They have Steve Sims, who I like a lot. They have Terry McLaurin, and nothing, really. I mean, Antonio Gandy-Golden is the next best option that they have on that team. I could see Antonio Gandy-Golden getting used a lot more early in the season than some of these other rookies that have been highly touted. And I could see him running with that opportunity. Look, Terry McLaurin was in a very similar situation last year for Washington. The depth just wasn't there. They didn't have a lot of options. Terry McLaurin was able to take advantage of that early, and he was able to carve out himself a very nice role last year. I think Antonio Gandy-Golden can be that guy there for Washington. I think a lot of passing attempts. And, hey, week one, Terry McLaurin, I love the dude, but the Eagles just traded for this guy, Darius Slay from Detroit. He's pretty good, and he's probably going to be on Terry McLaurin. So Antonio Gandy-Golden may see some more looks in week one than we're used to. That's a guy that I would get before he goes off in week one, and I think there's a good chance that he could put up some good fantasy numbers, maybe in garbage time, but still, fantasy points count all the same. Uh, Last guy I'm going to go to is the guy who's the starting tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars, guys. Another team that I think game script is going to call for them to throw the ball an awful lot. It's not Tyler Eifert, and that guy can't stay healthy even if it was, but James O'Shaughnessy. That's right, James O'Shaughnessy is the starting tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Gardner Minshew looks at the tight end position pretty frequently. I could see garbage time points going up. And look, tight end position, you never know what you're going to get. If you're in a tight end premium league, you could do worse than having a third or fourth tight end on your team. James O'Shaughnessy is a guy that you can grab now. Week week one, they're playing the Colts. I could see them having to throw the ball to catch up because I think they're going to be down as well. So look, the the common thing for the game script for two of these three teams is they're going to be down. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot. So I really like James O'Shaughnessy as a guy that you could pick up for free now and reap the benefits once he has a pretty good game. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah. I like O'Sha- O'Shaughnessy. Like he's he's just he early last season before he got hurt, he did really well. Um, you know, just out of nowhere, just hit his he got a lot more volume than I expected, I guess. So um everybody forgets it because when you look at the end of the season stats, they're just not, you know, accumulated. But if you look at points per game, it's actually pretty solid. And so he's a he's a guy that is at the end of a lot of my benches. Yeah, I, I've got a lot of him too. A, a few too many people got a little too excited about the leaning tower of Eifert. So, so right after your, yeah, I was, I, I, I've no, I was just gonna say I left a pregnant pause in there for the two Steelers fans. I thought someone was gonna jump on the James Washington stuff. Man, well, I mean, I, I, I'm not the Steelers fan you're referring to, but man, I love the James Washington take. And I mean, then one point earlier in the offseason, James Washington had, was interviewed. I don't know by who. I apologize. It was a while ago, but he kind of was talking about his game last year and how many times he kind of looked over at Ben Roethlisberger to see if he was watching him and seeing that James Washington was getting better. And he said a lot of the times when he was on the field last year, all he was thinking about was trying to impress Ben for 2020. Yeah, I actually don't mind. Um, I've been a Washington fan since he came out of school. Uh, I just felt like he had a, he has, he has the body to be a yards after the catch guy. If you get him the ball. And, and I really felt like coming out of college, you know, they used him as a deep threat, but he, he could have, he could develop into more. He had good hands. Um, he seemed to be working to 
continue to develop his craft as a route runner. And I think we saw some of that last season. I mean, he really was, um, you know, obviously everyone's talking about Deontay Johnson, but James Washington hold, held his own last year. And so I feel like he probably does get kind of shuffled uh, down the line, you know, with Juju, everybody wants Juju and they want, you know, Deontay Johnson, because those are the names that are they're big. But I mean, for just for fantasy purposes, I'm not opposed to just waiting and grabbing James Washington at the end of my drafts or picking him up for free after the draft is over. If I feel like, man, you know, this is one where if one of those, he benefits if either one of the two guys in front of him gets hurt and he could still be a viable flex option, you know, on, on given weeks, given the matchups. Um, I, I, I just feel like, you know, the only thing I would say that I feel like concerns me with James Washington is that I do feel like Chase Claypool is going to take some snaps away from him on the outside. And so that would be my only kind of like caveat. Like, I don't really know if I love, um, I don't know if I'm, you're going to immediately jump on him next week, but at some point James Washington is going to have big weeks for the Steelers. Yeah. I mean, people forget too, that James Washington led the Steelers in receiving last year with awful quarterbacks. I mean, awful quarterbacks. So, you know, I, I mean, look, I part of that was because Juju Smith-Schuster was hurt, obviously. Um, but, you know, Deontay Johnson is is kind of the, you know, he, he kind of came on in the second half of the year, really showed a few things. And I think people just automatically assumed with the drafting of Chase Claypool that James Washington's career in Pittsburgh is over. I don't necessarily think so um, for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, all the stuff that's already been said in, in this panel, but also because I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster is a stealer moving forward. Uh, you know, I, I mean, the the big news over the weekend here or, or earlier in the week was that Cam Cam Hayward signed on the defensive side of the ball. They're not letting T.J. Watt walk. So who are they letting walk on the offensive side? James Connors, one, pro- probably. And Juju Smith-Schuster's the other. So, um, you know, at least, in, at least that's the way it looks. I don't know. You know, we'll see what happens with all of that stuff. But if Juju's gone... Now you're talking about, you know, now you're talking about De- maybe Deontay Johnson moves inside and and James Washington and Chase Claypool are on the outside or something like that. So so I'm all on board with with Washington as well. I'm going to throw one more out there for next week, this week. And, and that guy for me is Kendrick Bourne. Um, and, and I think, look, he's he's owned in five percent of Yahoo leagues, five percent, five percent, five leagues out of 100 leagues. This guy is rostered. Um He's likely to lead San Francisco in receiving for the first week of the season. I mean, Debo's hurt. Brandon Ayuk is hurt. Yes, George Kittle's going to actually leave the Niners, lead the Niners in receiving. But, um, but f- from a wide receiver positionally perspective, uh, he he's 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 got just as good a chance as anybody else. I'm not saying that's going to be able to su- su- be sustained moving forward into the season, but I think the first week or two of the season, I mean, he's a veteran player. He's they trust him because he gets thrown at on third downs all the time. Um and he's a he's a he's kind of an athletically gifted guy. He's a big guy, but he's kind of shifty, good hands. I think Kendrick Bourne is very underrated, and I think he's a guy that could have a really big week one against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, you know, and 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 then maybe next week we're talking about him as a as a flip. You know, a guy to maybe flip to another wide receiver uh, needy team and and maybe help bolster your roster. So I'd, I'd throw Kendrick Bourne in there as a next week this week as well. 
Yeah, I have an addition to next week this week as well. Um, and that guy's Josh Kelly. I feel like Joshua Kelly is, for those of you who don't know, rookie running back for the Chargers, um, has already overtaken Justin Jackson. And Josh Kelly, I've been on this train all offseason, but I do feel like he is going to earn touches. I don't think, while I I personally am all aboard the Austin Eckler train, I don't believe the team is going to give him 90 to 70 to 80, even probably 70% of the touches. I just don't feel like that's how they want to use him. And so Josh Kelly is going to get some work. And if that is red zone work, if that is between the 20s work, either way, he's going to get touches. And so if he's the next guy in line and Austin Eckler gets hurt, you're going to want to have him rostered. If he is getting 40% of the work, you're going to want to have him rostered just in case. So uh, to me, Josh Kelly is a guy that you can go get on the cheap right now. And we're going to see it week one. I mean, I do think it's going to be Austin Eckler for the majority of the time, but I think people are going to be surprised with how much work Josh Kelly gets. And to me, Josh Kelly, while he's not a sexy player by any stretch, he is essentially just Chris Carson. And so if he gets opportunity, he will be able to produce. And so that's why I think you need to go out and get him now before you have to pay up for him. Uh, because running backs, as we all know, running backs on the waiver wire are, you have to spend some cash. I mean, there's just no way to get them. And so when you see a running back that's going for free, that could potentially command 40% of his team's touches, you need to go get that dude. Yeah. I, I love that one, Ethan. And and I think everything you said, but then I think, like you said, on the percentage, like the 40, 60, I think that, I mean, I don't think this is going to hurt Eckler at all. I think just Joshua Kelly and Eckler can both be viable together. And Joshua Kelly kind of steps in and replaces Melvin Gordon. And even when Melvin Gordon was back last year, Eckler was fine. So yeah, I like this one a lot. I have a lot of Joshua Kelly as well. Uh, Daryl Williams. I think uh, is another uh, another great one. Maybe Benny Snell. I love too. Benny Snell. Uh, I I do too. And I I and I get that James Conner is going to be the bell cow, but I don't know. Ju- more than anything, just kind of as like a speculative ad. James Robinson as well. I, I, the fact of the matter is, his parents <laughs> did have uh, a night of uh man james uh, robbins affected benny snell that quick yeah um, i'm telling you so many careers affected by that one night now i mean i just the fact that james robinson was born does exist um i think that we <laughs> and is right now listed as a starting running back for the jaguars i think you have to add him just in case stash him just in case i think there's some yeah, particularly redraft and especially the shallower leagues where some of these guys are being ignored right now. Mm-hmm. Probably should be picked up. One last one for me is Paris Campbell. Uh, I, I I just did a couple redraft uh, superflex drafts in, in both cases. He ended up making it all the way through to waivers, and now he's sitting out there. So I don't really have room for him, but someone should pick him up if you're listening to this. <laughs> Um, which they don't for some reason. Nobody in my leagues listens to my podcast. It's so dumb. It's because you don't wear your own damn shirt. <laughs> they, they don't even know what exists, man. <laughs> Fucking Brian with his arms up victoriously. <laughs> Ask me about my podcast. <laughs> um, let's uh. uh 
we went a little long on that. Usually we're going to kind of rock through that stuff, uh, even though in season we're going to have a lot more names for you. Uh, we are going to we're going to condense and consolidate our cast usually. So we're, we'll get through that one a little bit faster, generally speaking. But we wanted to take some time here and catch up with Dr. Ethan. Uh, there's a lot going on already in terms of injuries. Um, I, I had a couple in particular that I wanted to ask you about. I think the rest of these, you kind of came up with yourself if I'm not mistaken, but well, I didn't come up with them myself. I mean, they, they are actual injuries. Made, I'm made up, making stuff up on the fly. You made He's, up all these names and then you gave them fictitious injuries. Yeah. The Tanya Harding of the show. Absolutely. <laughs> But I, these two in particular, I wanted to ask you about. I'm going to start with Damian Harris because, I mean, for one thing, this hand injury kind of came out of nowhere. But the bigger issue is a lot of people see him being placed on IR and think that that's, that's it. I mean, we're not going to see him for at least eight weeks, if not the entire season. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to dispel that myth right here. Yeah, so this is new. So uh, it's it's so strange. I'm still trying to keep up with all of the new rules or 2020 only rules or COVID only rules that have come out by the NFL. They've done a lot uh, with the players' association to basically make it make teams rosters as flexible as possible. Given the nature of COVID, you can test positive on Saturday and miss Sunday. I mean, there's. There's a lot of things that could potentially need to be, you know, worked through on the fly for these teams. And so one of the things that is different this year is that uh, used to be the IR worked very simply. You could put as many players as you wanted on the IR, but you could only bring back two of them. So you could only designate two players to come back from the IR. And that was after they had sat for eight weeks. So typically if someone landed on the IR, it was very unlikely that you would want to roster them for fantasy unless it was like a superstar and you're hoping that they come back by like week nine or 10 and that you have them for the playoffs. But for the most part, players that ended up on IR, they were useless to you for fantasy, especially in redraft. Now, obviously with dynasty, it's a totally different story, but now the IR rules are changed. So now it's only three weeks and you can put as many players as you want and you can take as many players off of the IR that you want this year. And so teams are going to use the IR much more uh, liberally, I think, this year. So instead of a guaranteed eight weeks, you're only guaranteeing three weeks. So they do have to sit for three weeks. But you're going to see injuries that would have never been placed on the IR being placed on the IR, which is nice for us because then we can guarantee okay, we know for sure they're going to miss the next three weeks. That's great. That's good to know. That's good information for us. Um, but it makes the IR a little bit more tricky when it comes to those injuries that are four to six weeks or six to eight weeks. Because now, as opposed to last year where you could, oh, they're on the IR, they're missing eight weeks. This is serious. We're not going to have to worry about this guy. Now, every player that goes to the IR could miss three weeks, could miss six weeks, could miss 10 weeks. And that's why it's so important this year, especially, and it's important every year, but it's important this year that you are following someone who knows what the heck they're talking about. Listening to this show counts because I will be on the show, but there's going to be a lot more subjectivity to these injuries and players getting des designated for the IR where it's going to take, 
it's going to take a lot more speculation on our part. Uh, we're not going to know exactly how long they're going to stay on the IR. And we could easily have situations where we thought a guy was going to be on the IR for three weeks and they're actually going to miss six weeks. And if you're just taking, oh, three weeks in their back, no problem. No, that's not always the case. You know, uh, we're going to need to basically tease out each individual case um, on the show, which is good for me. That's what I call job security. But um, it definitely makes it a lot trickier to understand basically how this thing is going to work. So I've got a quick question. I got a quick here. answer. So, no. Next question. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I was just going to ask. So, so you said they can miss three weeks and then yes. they can be brought back. They could miss six weeks and they could be brought back. They can miss 10 weeks and they could be brought back. Can no. they miss five weeks and be brought back? So it's only three, six, or 10. <sighs> James. Or four? That's a stupid question. I should have just kept you down with no. Brian, I think like the bear. question. Or are we going to call you Ethan the Bear no. now? Okay. Next question. No, I mean, I, 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 no, I don't have a question. I have a comment, though. I mean, I think, I think, Ethan, you're, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to get wild here this season as far as, you know, I mean, if you, if you know a player goes on IR in a normal season and you can plan for that, right? This year, because of, what you just talked about, you can't really plan. Like you're not going to want to like deactivate and then reactivate. And then like how many spots, hopefully you're playing in leagues where your IR spots have been, you know, extended. There's, there's more of those available to you. Um, but it's just going to be, you know, I mean, if you know, if you're a contender and you have a guy go out and you're not exactly sure what's going on and the team isn't giving information or whatever, I mean, it's going to be difficult to decipher on, how to move forward and handle that situation, especially for a contending team. Again, for a team that isn't isn't contending, you know, you're not going to do anything super drastic. But uh, if you're a, con a contending team and you got a go guy that goes out in week six or week seven or whatever, and could be back, you know, in a couple of weeks, and they put him on IR, it's going to be it's going to be a really confusing thing. So, so I'm I'm glad we have a resident doctor to uh to kind of lean on for these things so don't mess it up ethan i'm gonna do my best i'm pretty accurate when it comes <laughs> to players returning but there's no this is going to be a tricky year just in general ethan yeah I'm, uh so really i'm not being sarcastic here i'm actually asking so there it, it just has to be over three weeks right i mean there's not like a preset it, it can be as long as it's over three weeks so, and then they can come back from the ir is that right yeah so it used to be eight weeks you had to miss eight weeks before you could come back now it's only three weeks, but they can come back and practice for five weeks before they have to make a decision on if the team, the player actually joins the active roster again. And so, again, that's that's something we don't get into very much because it really doesn't matter for fantasy. But these teams, the reason they put players on the IR is because it opens up an active roster spot. They don't count towards the 53-man roster. And so what I think you're going to see a lot of this year is as soon as a guy gets hurt, and the timeline is over three weeks, straight to the IR, sign another guy. Because there's so much flexibility now, they don't have to bring that guy back. If it becomes, if it's a six-week injury, it's no problem. If they're back in four weeks, yeah, we'll just activate him then and we'll, we'll cut that other guy and it's no problem. And so teams are going to use this IR way more 
way more frequently just because it's 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 an advantage to them if they think a guy is going to even if they don't know for sure like there's a lot of situations where say they have to miss you know you know you're going to miss 2 weeks and then you have a bye they might throw that guy on the IR because they know they're going to be they're going to have an open roster spot for 2 weeks and then the and then the, the bye week and then they're going to be able to come back and it's not going to be a problem but they've opened up a spot for the for their team for two weeks by using that. So I think you're going to see it a lot more. And I do think it's going to take a lot more just speculation, but educated speculation on when these guys are going to come back. So that gives us a little bit of clarity on some of these specific names. Um, but let, let's talk about Damian Harris. Is, is this a, a short-term IR type of situation, do you think, or is this more long-term? Yeah, so he's got a broken pinky. And so typically you're looking at three to six weeks. You're, you're basically waiting until the x-ray shows that the, the pinky has healed. And then I, always, I usually say give him a week after that to gain, regain range of motion because they're immobilized. Um, so you're probably looking at, since he's, he did it in the preseason, I'm going to say he's probably going to come back week four or five. Um, but he's definitely missing the first three weeks because they've already placed him on the IR. Um, and we'll just call it the IR, but we'll have to specify basically every show that this just means three weeks at least, because that is a rule that I just don't think enough people realize is different this year. So the next one I wanted to ask you about is Alvin Kamara, because, you know, it's, it's well-documented how I feel about last season. That's in the past. That's last season. Here's the issue for me. He's getting freaking cortisone shots a week before the the start of the season. Is that something that like that feels like something worth worrying about? Is it? I mean, it's definitely worth knowing that it's happening. Um, yeah. So with Kamara last season, I just learned actually that not only did he have a high ankle sprain, but he also tore his MCL the same game. And so doing two separate injuries did not look great coming back off of that. He missed two weeks. Then they had a bye week, and then he didn't play super well after that for, I think it was like four or five weeks after that. It just didn't look good. Uh, now he's dealing with lower back pain. Um, he had an SI joint, which is your sacroiliac joint, basically where the the wings of your hip attach to your tailbone. That's your SI joint. And so um, he had an injection in the joint. Um, it was reported that it was an epidural, which is not true if it was an SI joint in, injection it's that's not the same thing there's other types of injections and so with an si joint injection you're, you're a little concerned like why why are you having this are you having low back pain are you having si joint pain um is this affecting you are you 80 years old now yeah i mean it's it's true you you have to know that it happened because if it comes up later you're gonna know oh he was dealing with this earlier. Um, it's not something where I would say you shouldn't draft him or you shouldn't have him on your squad, but it could be the difference. I think in taking, if you're in the early rounds, you know, obviously you're taking Barkley and McCaffrey first, but if you're looking at, you know, Zeke or Kamara, I'm going Zeke. If you're looking at Derrick Henry, Kamara, I'm probably going Derrick Henry. And so that's, I think where you make the difference. The difference isn't like rounds, but it could be the difference between taking a safer option uh, versus taking Kamara. And so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not moving him out of the first by any stretch, but 
there's definitely players that I probably wouldn't take over him if he was healthy that I'm now pretty comfortable with. All right, going into the season, give us a few more players that we need to be aware of what's going on. Um, maybe some uh, some timelines for a return if uh, if you know if it's guys who are likely to miss time and uh, guys that we can be comfortable with despite the fact that we do know that they're battling injuries already. Yeah, so the first guy here is Jalen Rager. Um, he is we, – we talked about him a little bit earlier, so I won't talk about the fantasy implications, but he has a small labral tear in his shoulder. Not ideal uh, for a rookie especially. What they're going to do is basically put a brace on his shoulder. And so Tyrell Williams, the Raiders wide receiver, also had a labral tear in his shoulder. He tried to come back and play and couldn't do it. They had to shut him down. He's done for the year. Um, Jalen Rager is trying to do the same thing, but his tear is a little bit smaller, more than likely. It's probably in a spot where it's not as irritable, where it's not going to irritate him to use it. And so you're looking at a much shorter time frame. Uh, He's going to try to play. I'm going to say he's probably still going to miss week one. Um, I don't know if he'll be able to suit up even with the brace this soon, but I think by week two, you know, we're looking at somebody that could be back as soon as week two. Um, the only thing I'm worried about with this is that it could get worse. And so it's kind of a ticking time bomb at some point, he's going to have to get this fixed. The question is, does that happen at the end of the season? Does it happen midway through the year? Does he injure it again in week three? And then he has to have surgery and then he's done for the year. And so that's where I'm, that's where I'm kind of at on Rager. I think he is going to come back week two, but again, you're talking about a timeline that could change, you know, week to week. And so it's really about how risk uh, averse you are. So for me, I'm going to hold on to him, but if he has a couple big games, I'm probably getting out from under him. Um, and so that I can basically get someone that I, I trust a little bit more there. Uh, another guy that's dealing with a preseason injury, David Montgomery. Uh, he had a groin strain. This looked more serious at first than what it ended up being, but he, he the timeline was two to four weeks. Um, there is a little bit of hope right now that he could be back this week. Uh, but I think it's more than likely still that he will miss. There's no reason to rush him back. Uh, this team is already committed to tanking, um, by starting Mitchell Trubisky. And so (laughs) James is like shaking his head. Um, so I don't expect them to rush David Montgomery back. I think he misses one more week, uh, this week, and then he could be back by week two. Uh, DeAndre Swift, this is the one I'm probably the most concerned about because, of course, Matt Patricia went to uh, Bill Belichick's school of not telling us anything about injuries. He's got a leg injury. He's been dealing with it for a while. There are reports that this was costing him time in practice, uh, reports that it's going to limit him to start the year, and the team went out and signed Adrian Peterson. And so that tells us – I always say the team will tell you more about players – based on what they do versus what they say. So Matt Patricia says this isn't a big deal, but why would you sign Adrian Peterson if it wasn't a big deal? Um, so I'm a little worried about Swift. I don't really have a timeline for you because I don't really know exactly what's going on with his leg. I would say that if you're trusting him to start to begin the year, you're probably going to be disappointed. Uh, Miles Sanders, he's dealing with a hamstring strain. Um, this came out a few weeks ago, so he's had a little bit of time to recover. Uh, he is basically was projected at week to week, which is not great. You want to hear day to day. You don't want to hear week to week when it comes to injuries. Um, that's going to put week one in question, but the team only kept two running backs. 
outside of Sanders. So that tells me that they're feeling pretty confident that he's at least going to be able to play some week one. I do expect to see a little bit more Boston Scott, maybe some Corey Clement built in there uh, week one, especially. So Miles Sanders, you might have to wait a week or two before you get like a full workload, Miles Sanders. And the last guy here, just updating Debo Samuel. He had a Jones fracture uh, a couple months ago. And so Jones fracture, you're dealing with a prolonged recovery. Usually it's about, it's usually from eight to 10 weeks. Uh, this week would be week 12. So there is a chance that he plays. I think they sit him a week. They did not opt to put him on the IR. So they expect him back by week three uh, at the latest. So I would say he probably misses this week, maybe misses next week and is definitely back by week three. So that is, that's good news for Debo. But outside of that, man, we're just waiting. Uh, I do think with COVID, with the shortened preseason, we're going to see a lot of injuries coming up uh, this first few weeks. This is basically the preseason. Um, the, the, the games matter a lot more, and we're obviously going to be watching a lot closer. But from the team's perspectives, this, uh, this is the first game action that these guys have had this season. And so a lot of times there are a lot of injuries that happen in the preseason games that we have not been exposed to yet. Um, the players have not been exposed to. So we're waiting to see. I'm hoping, I'm always hoping that nobody gets hurt, but we have to just expect that this first few two, you know, one, two, three weeks, this could be a higher than normal injury rate for players. So just be flexible and be ready because it's going to happen. Nice. The only uh, thing I heard was that Tony and Boston Scott season. That's all. <laughs> I, I have heard. a lot of Boston Scott right now. So uh, I'm oh, all yes. for that. That's one of them that's held up through this entire offseason for me. Boston Scott, Joe, Joe Mixon is the RB1 overall, and Boston Scott is one of my favorite sleeper running backs. Like That has been wire to wire. So, uh, Speaking of that, though, speaking of uh, looking back on the non-point scoring season, looking ahead to the, uh, the season as it's about to begin, uh, let's do one. Uh, let's give some some just some final thoughts from each of us. Um, you can use, I mean, really any of them that you want. We've got some favorites here on the Super Show. Uh, like crazy Truth Time. Uh, the Crazy Truth is, uh, you know, spoiler alert. You're nuts. Um, and then one that I just created, Intrusive Thoughts, which is uh, what I, I'm. I'm going to start this thing off with an intrusive thought. This is just something that I have not been able to get out of my head for the last several days. And there's actually kind of two thoughts involved, but specifically thinking about Antonio Gibson, because the problem that I have with running backs, especially in regards to dynasty is the fact that more usage tends to shorten their careers and certainly affects their productivity you know, I start to worry about guys like Ezekiel Elliott, who's been in the league now for, you know, going into his uh, fifth year here. And, you know, just the amount of usage that he's had. All of these guys who are, you know, in like fourth, fifth year, it's it, they they all concern me. Like this feels like the the time, you know, kind of the point in their careers where they start dealing with nagging injuries that are going to keep them off of the field, make them really hard to you know, project and predict on a weekly basis. And, you know, I, it just, 
I, I, I try and stay away from those guys, generally speaking. And, you know, it, it just got me thinking, you know, the big knock that we have on, uh, on, I mean, on guys like, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, it, it's Alvin Kamara, apparently. Like, this, it's been a lot of usage in a short amount of time. And it seems like it's starting to take its toll in some cases. And in other cases, if it hasn't yet, it's about to. They're ticking time bombs at this point. So the issue is the amount of usage that they've had. Yet the knock on Antonio Gibson is that he has carried the ball how many times? 20 times? <laughs> so 33 in two years in college. Yeah. Yeah. 44 so, receptions. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like there's a, a little bit of a resolution in there between the two. Um, and, and I know that I'm going to get some disagreement on this and, and I welcome it because like I said, this is a thought that I can't get out of my head and I'd really like somebody to challenge it is the idea that Antonio Gibson has not taken the type of damage that most of these running backs have taken throughout, you know, in his, in his college career. I mean, he's got like a small fraction of the touches that Jonathan Taylor brings into this league. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Stop I knew that I was right going to get your attention with that one. I, and, and I love Jonathan Taylor, but I mean, the fact remains a lot of usage for him, almost no usage for Antonio Gibson. I mean, isn't there, isn't there reason to believe? Like, wouldn't it stand to reason that Antonio Gibson should have a longer career expectancy based on the fact that he hasn't he just hasn't had those touches. He hasn't taken that damage. So so what you're saying is he was so good that Memphis saved it for the NFL. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> they were like, man, we really yeah, want would, you, you know but, you're good. You could help us, but save it for the NFL, buddy. Yeah. If that's the case, an NFL team well, needs to sign me away i have zero cares <laughs> i'm going to last for the next 15 years yeah. in the nfl okay but here's the thing i mean obviously this starts with an obvious bias of mine against running backs and the fact that no i don't think very many of these guys they're they're a handful of exceptions not very many of these guys are particularly I don't know. Like they're, it's not like they're more athletic than anybody else at the same position. You know, I, I think that, you know, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, the reason that they're going first and second overall in most formats is the fact that they are superior athletes, but you know, generally speaking, a running back is a freaking running back. Like there's not a huge difference from one to the next. Mm, tell that to the Detroit Lions and Amir Abdullah. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't I mean, know. I see what you're saying. And I mean, I don't hate where you're going with it. I, I think the guy's going to have an opportunity. My problem with Antonio Gibson right now is the price mm-hmm. and just the, the hype surrounding it. And he went from kind of nothing into a huge something in a, a couple days. Yeah. That's my that's my hugest knock is I mean you're you're completely paying like I can't go get two first for Swift right now, but somebody got it for Antonio Gibson. Mm-hmm. 
So, and, and I mean, I know that that's two different places that we're talking about. You're talking about the usage and how that could help him. Man, yeah, I, I, I just can't get on board with this this Gibson hype. But the, the hype <laughs> is what I'm having a problem with, and and so I'm 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 struggling to stay away from my argument and and get to yours, which is really is lack of usage, which is yes, my problem. And I know that it's like a broken record everywhere you go. Everybody's like, but only through 33 touches and 44 receptions in two years. But man, that's, that's pretty low. Yeah. I mean, I think that just displays, I'm sorry, James. Um, It just displays that he's not going to be a high volume player. Right. And that that's the concern is sure. He might have a longer career based on that, but is he going to get enough touches in a season to make you feel good about having him on your team? Whereas at least on those other guys, you know, yeah, maybe they're going to have a shorter career just based on the amount of touches that they get and had even in college, but you know that they're bell cows. They're, those are guys that are going to get all those touches and they're going to help you win fantasy seasons. And, and that's, I think where the difference is like, yeah, I mean, you very well may get a longer career, but how effective is it going to be to where you're happy putting them in your lineup? I think part of the argument too, is we would have to really dig in. And I know some of the preliminary numbers, but the more carries that you have in college doesn't necessitate the length of career that you're going to have in the NFL. I think, I think what hurts a back more is getting the amount of carries in, in the NFL in the league, just because the pace of the game, the hits are, you know, the players are bigger, they're stronger. You're, you're, you're getting hit more often. Um, the level of competition is, is a little bit more equal. Um, so I think that to me is really where, when you start seeing some of these running backs pile up, like, like Zeke, like, like a lot of the guys you mentioned, John, they've been in the league for a while and they've taken a lot of those hits. And so I think that's where the disconnect might be for me is because I don't think that the number of carries a running back has in college um, is, is going to correlate to the length of their career as much as, you know, the carries that they accumulate in the week. And I, I've got a lot more on that subject. Are, are you pretty uh, I mean, into Antonio Gibson, like share wise? Do you have quite a bit? Uh, of them? Not necessarily. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll get a little bit further into my thesis here, real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll try not to spend a lot of time on it because I know we're already past time, and and I still want to get thoughts from all of you guys. But um, there there is an, a kind of a bigger intrusive thought as I try and improve at Devi, which is you know, easily the, the weakest part of my game at this point. And, you know, so some of the trades I've been making, one of the trades I just made um, fairly recently in a Debbie league included, you know, I gave up cam Akers, I got back Najee Harris and Brian Edwards and Brock Purdy. And it feels like a decent move overall, other than the fact that like all I essentially did at running back is kick the can down the road. Mm-hmm. I just gave up a year with a running back when the rest of my team is ready to roll. Now I've got to wait a year for a running back. And the argument it, it, for it at the time was, you know, you're, you're getting, you know, in some people's opinion, you're getting a better player in Najee Harris than you are with Cam Akers. This was before the NFL draft, by the way. So we didn't even know, you know, but we, we didn't even know landing spots yet, but 
you know, just in terms of talent, you're getting a better player with Najee Harris than you are with Cam Akers. And what I'm starting to realize is the talent, like the talent at running back really doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Like all of these guys, all of a sudden here we are talking about, we're talking about Antonio Gibson. We're talking about Zach Moss. We're talking about Josh. Brian Robinson. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Robinson's spawn. Like all of a sudden, all all these guys, where the hell did they come from? And it like the the reality is uh, these running backs are they're going to get an opportunity. It just doesn't matter how good they are. It doesn't matter how good you think one of them is and the other one is not. Like at the end of the day, they're all going to end up with an opportunity and they're all going to end up with value. So what is the difference in going from one to the next? Like based on based on talent, that's nothing. So John, I'll get so so here's here's the difference in the value uh-huh. though. <clears throat> so, I mean, if you're looking at a guy like Jonathan Taylor versus a guy like Marlon Mack, right? Because if 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 we're all the same, and of course those those two play for the same team mm-hmm. now. Um, but Marlon Mack was a thousand yard rusher last year, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. so that would play into your comment about you know, running backs just don't matter. Talent doesn't matter to position. If yep. talent didn't matter to position, why are the Colts drafting their next running back? Uh, Cause you have to have a lot of them. Okay. So let me ask you the value question then. Why is Jonathan Taylor a top 20 pick in every format out there? And Marlon Mack is probably on waivers in certain leagues. I, think because, I mean, we are, I think we are, fairly certain here that Jonathan Taylor is going to end up in the the feature role like sooner rather than later. Right. And I mean, well, and I think he, and I think the the point that I'm, I'm trying to make here is that these, 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 these second guy, and this, this goes right into my final thoughts on today too, just in terms of the running backs, you know, my, my, my final thought was don't overthink running back by committees. Mm-hmm. like stick with the studs okay and and so your your point about longevity is a valid one but i think it's more valid in this in the sense of the longevity of the more talented running backs mm-hmm. versus the longevity of you know i i, I mean some of these guys that we're talking about right now, these, these, well, this running back is going to have value. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have, I mean, Darren Sproles helped had value for a decade and a half in the national football league. And if you're rolling with Darren Sproles as your RB one, I'm not sure exactly how happy you are with that. I mean, as a flex play as your RB two, sure. But as your RB one, probably not so much. So I I feel like talent. I mean, so for me, I mean, I, I think talent, definitely definitely matters um at the position i I mean i i understand the point of some of these other running backs who aren't the guys that you think of when you think about the lead running back in a backfield they're going to have value too yes especially if they're if they're guys that have a specialty right if they're a if they're a big bruiser that's going to, you know, AJ Dillon will probably have value because he's going to score nine touchdowns this year because he's huge. 
and runs people over. You know, Boston Scott might have some value because, or, or Naeem Hines might have some value because they can catch passes so well. James White, we've seen him have value for a long time in the league because he's such a good receiving back. So I understand what you're saying there. I mean, these guys, in comparison to where you're drafting the the lead guys in the backfield, yes, these guys have value too. But nobody in their right mind is is thinking that that they're going to have. I mean, if, if we're talking about pure value being rostered on your on your squad, I mean, the the studs in these backfields are going to have more value, obviously, than than the second or third guys, third options in the backfield. Um, they're going to have I more mean, trade value. They're going to have more production. Well, the, the production, maybe the trade value for sure. The production, maybe, I mean, it doesn't always play out that way. Um, I mean, I mean, look right here in Denver, all of a sudden Philip Lindsay looks like, I mean, they're named co-starters him and, and Melvin Gordon, but I mean, it's looking like a dead even split and, you know, they're going to take a hot hand approach where Philip Lindsay, an undrafted rookie free agent, uh, has a chance here to straight up beat out Melvin Gordon, a first round pick. Like, and that happens a lot. That happens all the time. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, that Jonathan Taylor is going to beat out, get beat out by anybody on in that, in that running back group. But, I just I I don't know that talent alone is is what's going to win out. I mean, I think draft capital could be a big part of it. And I I also think that Jonathan Taylor is probably a, is is closer to that that category of the exceptions along with guys like Barkley and and McCaffrey. But like Clyde Edwards-Alaire that's not a I don't I don't see any in in none of us saw any kind of talent necessarily. I mean, he was like a good player, but not a, not a first round dynasty type of player like he is now coming out. It was just a situation. So like it could have been anyone. I think when you look at running back, it's, it's, I'm not going to go to either extreme that I I think you guys are going to, because I, I don't know, that I would just stick with my studs at running back just because I think the turnover is so high, but I also don't think um, that talent doesn't matter, but I will say this. I probably lean a little bit closer with you, John, as hard as that is for me to say only because Debbie wise, you know, I I have to kind of grade these guys out based on talent, but um, you know, you don't need to be the most talented back to succeed, but you do need to have opportunity. So opportunity is always going to be greater than talent to me in the fantasy community. I mean, as a fantasy asset, mm-hmm. you don't have to be the best player on your team. You don't have to be the best running back on your team. If you get a, a, an opportunity because of an injury or because of whatever, um, you can produce. And so to me, that opportunity is a little bit more important than the talent. And that that hurts to say, um, but I do think there are exceptions. Like you said, John, I think guys like Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, I mean, if you have a significant upgrade in talent, over the average running back, then that's going to help you out. But other than that, yeah, I, th- I think I want the opportunity over over the talents if if I had to choose. So Antonio Gibson, I, that seems like a good opportunity. It's a very winnable job. 
I, I, yeah, and and I think I think Swag's point is 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 spot on with this. Is I, I don't have I don't ha- I don't dislike the player at all. Um, mm-hmm. I got him early in the off season, and I paid a second round or third round rookie pick to get him in a in a dynasty league. I I am yeah I'm I'm super happy with obviously the opportunity that he's getting. I just don't think that I'm spending a twenty you know a couple twenty twenty one firsts to acquire him um, because of the opportunity when I think I could probably get two running backs that very well may end up seeing the opportunity that he has um, this year. So uh, yeah, but no, I, I don't, I don't hate the Antonio Gibson call, man. I, I really don't. Um, I think the opportunity, you know, it, it, it very well could be there for him. Yeah. You guys just think the value is too much. And I think that's probably yeah. fair. And, and then, I mean, in uh, and when you're thinking about like what they do on a season, like 2020 and we're thinking, uh, talking about Brian Robinson or Antonio Gibson, like that's one thing, but then, I mean, do you think they're, the starting running backs in 2021? Um, I don't know. I, I I mean, there's so much that needs to be done on that roster that I don't, I don't know for sure that they would, especially if, you know, if, if they get some proof of concept here with Antonio Gibson this year, I, I, yeah, they might not need to prioritize it. They might feel okay with him. I mean, Jaguars have, I think eight or nine picks in the first five rounds. Mm-hmm. So, but, but I mean, then to your point, you know, the flip side of it is like in dynasty, it's unheard of that we are putting in waiver claims week one for a starting running back in somebody like Brian Robinson or James Robinson, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Isaac. <laughs> yeah. And, and so. maybe so. So maybe that's where the disconnect for me is, is the longevity thing, because I mean, I can I, I would I would bet a lot of money that Miles Sanders is still in the league in three years in a in a starting running back capacity. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Boston yeah. Scott will be. I mean, he, he, hmm. he, he, he's Boston Scott, I think, is, is an above average back, too. So he, he probably will stick on with some type of team and have some sort of role, kind of like Darren Sproles did, you mm-hmm. know, for, for the longest time. But, but I think that's the difference for these studs. Like, um, you know, the, the, the couple that I mentioned, so Sanders Taylor was the other one. I mean, I think Jonathan Taylor, unless something goes horribly wrong injury wise or, off the field or something like that. I think, I mean, Jonathan Taylor's going to be probably a starting running back for the next five to six years in the league. Mm-hmm. If not, if not longer, James, <laughs> um, you know, but, but I, I mean, Marlon Mack, I, I mean, does Marlon Mack have a job next year? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, you know, so when we're talking about longevity too. I think that more talented players are going to get more opportunities moving forward. Melvin Gordon's going to be in Denver for the next two years, likely. Philip Lindsay, I hope he is because I really like the guy. I really do. I, th- I think he's very underrated. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know if he's if he's there. You know. Yeah. The, the last thing I'll say, and I, I'm not going to hold this up anymore. But like, I, as much as I love Jonathan Taylor, we don't know that he's going to be any good, man. We really don't. Like. Corey Davis was supposed to be a can't miss prospect. The guy missed. Um, I mean, I mean, Corey Coleman, uh, you know, that whole, that you know, whole class, Laquan Treadwell, on Treadwell, Josh Doxon. Like there are so Those many are all guys. wide receivers to be fair. 
Oh, well, I mean, I, I could definitely list running backs and quarterbacks. Bishop, Bishop Sankey will go to that draft class. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, yeah, there you go. There's Bishop I mean, but Sankey. Jonathan Taylor is like a specimen. Yeah, but I, I mean, mean, we don't know. Like, I, oh, that's just it. Like, I love Jonathan Taylor. I think he is, he has a better chance of hitting than anybody. But like, to say that we know what he is right now, is, same thing with Miles Sanders. Like, what have we really seen from Miles Sanders to this point that says this guy's going to be a stud? He's going to be in the league three years. Like, look at three years ago, the first round of running backs. David Johnson was a can't miss prospect. You guys remember Chris Johnson? Like, he had a couple good years and then the guy just fell off. Like, it happens to running backs, it seems, more than any other position. So, like, I'm not saying that these guys aren't. I mean, dude, if, if I would have told you Chris Johnson and Marion Foster were going to fall off a cliff after two years, people would have laughed at me because they were that good. And, like, they did. So, I, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, they're, they're, it, it happens, especially at running back. And, uh, and I think that we have to at least acknowledge that, you know, while these guys might be studs, studs can't miss, you know, guys right now, um, in two to three years, they're probably not. And, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, some of these rookies are going to miss. Like, absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. But, man, I feel good about Jonathan Taylor in that offense. Oh, I do, too. Trust <laughs> me. I, I do, too. As a matter of fact, I've... Uh, I've got a signed Jonathan Taylor football that needs to be hung up behind me Ooh, here. There you uh, go. Yeah. As, as I'm, you know, I'm a huge fan. So yes, I also think he's a canvas prospect. However, like we, we just don't know. We, we really, we don't know. We don't know with any rookie coming in here. We don't know Joe Burrow is going to be great. We don't know. Like sure. Mitchell Trubisky went ahead of Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Now it's funny, but back in the, back in the day, like when that happened, nobody was like, Oh man, that's such a terrible pick. There probably were some people, but I don't think that everybody was was you know criticizing the Bears for making that pick at the time. Like, it, it's one of those things where we just have to kind of wait and see with these prospects. So, um, yeah, I, I I like to give it a little bit more time before we crown anybody a uh, you know this guy's going to be a, a first round pick for the next two three years. You know. Yeah. So this is one of many many things that I feel like we can go back and uh, revisit throughout the season. Um, you know, particularly that Debbie side, I want to talk more about this at some point with definitely with James and anybody else who, uh, here who's into Debbie this is a conversation I'd like to continue, uh, at some point, but, um, let's get, some, I want to get some more final thoughts and, and I mean, we'll just go back to Brian for now. I mean, you kind of already gave yours, but I want to make sure that you got a, you had an opportunity to put a bow on it. Yeah, my point was just not to not to worry about running backs by committee. When you have a stud running back, and in my opinion, the guys that I named, so Miles Sanders, Jonathan Taylor is going to be that, I believe, uh, and Nick Chubb. You know, I'll, you hear a lot of concern on the interwebs about these guys uh, because of the guys behind them, and I don't think it matters. I really don't. I, I don't. I'm not worried about the volume for them. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't think they necessarily need the volume. And I think that's probably what makes them special and what makes them studs. Um, so that's my opinion. I mean, I, I, I'm not afraid of running back by running back by committees. I'm doing air quotes on the, on the video for people who, who can't see, which is everyone, um, except my co-host. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in on stud running backs. Nice. That's fair. Um, 
How about how about you, Bill? Give us Bill, give us a final thought. Yeah, I'm kind of piggybacking off of what Ethan said earlier about just how he thinks the teams are gonna kind of play the IR game a little bit. And that being the case, I think that we're gonna just see so many players available throughout the season on waivers. Um, so my suggestion is don't go crazy early in the season spending all your blind bid money, you know, your fab, um, because there's going to be players all throughout the year that you're going to be losing and you're going to be needing to add people. There's going to be guys who are getting, you know, falling into better situations throughout the year. And you don't want to be the guy at the end of the season or the lady that needs somebody. And there's some amazing thing that fell into your lap and you don't have enough money to get that guy. And so, but if you have waivers, my suggestion also for the same reason is just keep, keep hitting it. Like every week, keep adding guys because like whether you're the first on waivers or your eighth on waivers, there's going to be plenty of people available pretty much every week. So, you know, just be aggressive in adding players, but don't be aggressive if you have blind bid because you want to at least have some throughout the season. I love that one, by the way. I, for one thing, it it plays into the argument for the QBX strategy because you don't want to have to spend all that fab early on the first quarterback who comes around, especially if you're the one who lost your quarterback to an injury. You don't want to have to get into a huge bidding war for his backup. If you've got the quarterbacks already on roster, you get to save that fab for running backs. But yeah, that's the other thing. Saving it for, you know, D'Angelo Williams after Lev Bell gets hurt late in the season. Like that was a league winner. You want to be able to go get that guy. So keep up with the Superflex Super Show doing next week, this week, every freaking week. And uh, that's how you do it. Get it, get these guys early and uh, save your fab for, for that one big monster purchase uh what about you ethan final thoughts yeah my final thought is pretty simple um trust your gut when you're making fantasy decisions especially week one don't overthink it we're trying to have fun here this is a game about a game and yes we take very seriously because we talk about football every week and we take that next level but in in reality you just have to go with what your gut thinks is the best. If you love Antonio Gibson's matchup, start Antonio Gibson. And once you make those decisions, accept the results. This is the thing that irritates me the most about being in the fantasy industry and giving people advice. I give people advice every day. Every day, people hit me up. What should I do here? Who should I draft? Who should I start? And I try to answer as many people as possible. I will always answer your question as long as you accept the results afterwards and you don't come back and say, well, this is your fault. I don't run your team, bro. I don't make your decisions for you. You asked me for my, my advice. I gave it to you. I'm wrong. John is wrong. James is wrong. Swagzilla 0G is wrong occasionally. Bill's Sometimes. wrong. Brian's We're never right. Stop, stop doing this thing where you ask people for advice, take the advice, and then don't accept the results. Like you decide your own fantasy, how your fantasy season goes. If you don't like what I say, 
start whoever you want. Like, I'm just going to give you, and, and I'm probably not going to like go in depth on what my choice is. If you ask me two guys, I'm probably going to give you an answer one or the other. Like, I'm not going to spend 20 minutes with you. Like, I'm sorry, your team run it your way and accept the results and have fun because ultimately this is just fantasy football. Like this is not life or death decisions we're making here. And if you're not having fun, you should stop playing. Like seriously, if you're not having fun playing fantasy football, and if you're not excited about setting lineups and running the waiver wire and doing these things every single week of the season, like stop playing. Like you need to take a break, take a year off just to find the love of football again first. But I get so sick of people not trusting their gut, depending on other people, and then putting the blame for their fantasy success or failure on somebody else. Like that is just stop doing that. Don't do that. It's so obnoxious. None of us like it. Nobody <laughs> wants to hear it. Nobody, nobody cares that you made the wrong start to sit decision. Like, I'm sorry. Nobody cares except for you. Stop caring so much. Have fun. Trust your gut and accept the results afterwards. And just be excited. Like football's back, baby. Accountability. Beautiful. We still like you though. All that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and actually, if you do right. ask people for um, help, give, give them as much information as you can about the league, because that's going to help decision-making because if you just say, should I start this person or this person, you know, that's very limiting. So, um, you know, take a little bit of time if you're going to ask questions and provide the information needed. Yeah. Ethan, that, that kind of felt like an airing of grievances from Stompy. So I think you were channeling your inner Stompy there. <laughs> I mean, this year has been so much, much worse because I'm on YouTube a lot more. And those guys are all, they're all over, man. They find you. They hear you on YouTube and then they find you. It's the craziest okay. thing. If you get better fantasy advice, though, that would like help. Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Twenty twenty is a super yeah. negative year, too. Oh yeah. Everybody's was, a little on edge. But along these same lines, start your stud. I've said this before. It's been a while though, so just a quick refresher before we start this season here. Start your studs is nothing. That's absolutely meaningless. Do not. Do do something like whether whatever it is, go off of like Ethan said, go with your gut, intuition, whatever it is. Um, you know, if you've got a, a particular analyst who you trust, um, you know, even if it's your own decision, you're the one making the decision. But, you know, using a well thought out process is always going to be more effective than start your studs. Start your yeah. stud is one of the biggest mistakes. And it just echoes through this fantasy football community at certain points. You know, when, when you start putting out those polls about who should I start, someone's going to tell you start your studs. I, it, ignore that person. Block that person. Unfollow that freaking person because start your studs <laughs> is nothing. And that, means that, that, next week. And, that <laughs> and that means that And that means that uh, if, if you don't subscribe to start your studs, you should not have drafted Saquon Barkley and redraft. <laughs> You're not going to use them until week five because his schedule <laughs> is random. Pittsburgh, Chicago, San Francisco, the Rams, all top 10 defenses against the run last year. Brutal. That's Saquon Barkley is more than a running back. Thank you. <laughs> 
I'm surprised. So, uh, I'm going to go right know. off uh, John's for my final thought though. And mine's, um, you know, kind of just thinking for yourself too. And first place is always in the mi- minority. It's okay to be a little different, be bold, do your own things. Like don't get a complex. If your league mates don't like your starting lineup or the guys you pick up on waivers, um, it's all right, man. Like sometimes some of that stuff gets in our way, just worrying too much about what people may think about your choices and uh, it's okay to be a little different. First place is in the minority. Swags. I love you. that. That was so well said. I'm so, I, uh, I'm so sick of seeing like somebody share something that isn't part of groupthink. And they just get harassed for it because like, oh, it's a bad take because all these other guys that I listened to said that it's a bad take. Like, yeah, unless when John says it and then it's (laughs) just a bad take. Well, that's because it's about Aaron Rodgers. But all right. I know know I'm asking you for advice, but what you just told me is nothing close to Matthew Barry's rankings. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it is, and like, and and, and <laughs> no, no offense to Matthew Barry, it's, it's oh, he's he's it, yeah, he, yeah, he's awesome. It, no, it's just I think even Matthew Barry yeah. though. Not, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think even Matthew Barry would would know that like people like us should have our own takes, and he doesn't. I mean, if we're all just going to follow one person's rankings, there's no reason to be asking people for advice. I mean, kind of like Ethan was saying. I mean, it all runs together, but. But yeah, just it's okay to be a little different. Yeah, yeah, and we—I—I I, I mean, <laughs> you look at rankings, you look at takes. There are I, even the majority of us that have a good year. Like we miss what 50 percent of our takes in, yeah. in a year. I mean, it, it's insane. So like, just because somebody has a take that might be a little different, it's okay. It's all right. Like you know, especially if you want to learn about. Okay, I don't agree with that, but why do they feel that way? Ask ask us don't just uh you know retweet with a a, a laughing emoji and, lol yeah <laughs> this guy or bad take or uh yeah just just like bring something to it let's converse about it so like no i i totally agree with you swags i'm i'm gonna get into my my final thought real quick here and i'm not gonna take up too much time but one of the things i did learn when i started watching uh uh, you know, Devi prospect tape uh, a few years ago was uh, to know what I'm looking for, to come up with a model, that sort of thing. And I think that's important for us as fantasy players when we're watching these early weeks of fantasy football is to know what we're looking for. And to me, it's not always something that's going to jump out, but at the end of the games, you know, once we get into Monday and Tuesday, we can really start digging into some of this stuff. And a lot of it's you know, I, I want to know snap counts. I want to know how many routes a player ran compared to how many times they stayed in a block. Um, I want to know, you know, what was the game script? Um, how dependable is that going to be moving forward before I put in a waiver claim? These are things that are important. You know, some guy might have had one catch for 72 yards and a touchdown. And man, that stat line looks really good when you put it in there and you look at the fantasy points he scored. But you know, was it, did, did he run six routes? You know, was it just, he, he caught one of his two targets, you know, like there, there's everything subjective. Look at the numbers, look at, look at how repeatable it might be. Um, and to me, that's something that, uh, that we can always look back on before we make decisions on players and have a hot take on someone. Um, what, what, let's look at the numbers. Let's, let's actually look into it. Let's see why it happened and see if it's repeatable in the future before we decide that we want to go ahead and make a claim on a guy. Yeah. All right. Easy enough. 
Mm-hmm. And like I said, I mean, a lot of stuff that I think we can continue talking about uh, throughout the season. Um, some really important stuff. We've got a lot, a lot of uh, cool stuff happening over here. And, uh, you know, just so just to start, I mean, just the excitement of finally being able to say Swags, Bill, officially members of the Super Team, officially co-hosts of the Superflex Super Show. Um, it all starts there, man. And and from there, we're just we're just loading this up with rocket fuel and ready to take the hell off. Hell yeah, yeah man. man. Love it. Thanks a lot, guys. Happy to be here. It's gonna be so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Good to have those guys. Good to have Dr. Ethan. Kind of good to have Dr. Ethan back <laughs> in the fold for a minute. Well, I'm a very busy guy, uh, high demand this year as always. And so I always take a little bit of time to come back to give John a hard time, to give James a hard time, to express my love and uh, admiration for the rated horror superstar, Brian Hart, <laughs> one of my top 10 favorite people on the planet. Um, I'm excited about Bill and Swag. Um I don't know if we can keep calling him just swag. I guess we're going to have to go with that, but I am pretty jealous that I don't have a cool nickname. Um, I guess I also, I'm not really that jealous, but um, I'm, I have to I'm be honest. To have you guys on so that I don't have to listen to John every time. So this is great for me. You don't have to listen to just John. <laughs> you still have to listen. Yeah. So I have to be honest. Uh, Swags, you and I have been friends for a while now. I I don't actually know how to pronounce your last name. Uh, I don't know if it's actually Swagger. Yeah. I mean, technically, like, it's Swagger. Okay. But a lot of people, like, first time meeting you would call you Swagger. Like, man, yeah. I've heard Swag, like, since my dad's friends you called him Swag. You know what I mean? Like, so it's kind of always kind of been in our life in a weird way. But I'm going to call you it Swag. Is, it is, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is so technically swag. Swagger, though. My mom would be the only one that would correct her and it's not or correct us but it's not even her maiden name you know but if you said swagger in front of my mom she'd be like it's swagger (laughs) yes that's how she sounds in my head (laughs) she she doesn't get how cool it is to just be be called swagger no i think she's just salty because she knew how cool it was and didn't want us to have fun and she's (laughs) hating on pops you know Hate fun. All of a sudden, we're in the last, the final moments of this thing. We're working through some stuff with swags again. <laughs> this happened last week too. We had a, we had a get me out of here. Holy cow! Imp- impromptu therapy session, and uh, yeah, we're, we're right back to it. We're kind of slowly piecing you together, Swagzilla. Uh, you don't want to know more, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we do. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna get it all whether we like it or not. All but, these uh, suppressed feelings coming out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah, we'll we'll keep working through it. Now we get to work together every week and uh all the time in the world to uh to work through this stuff together. Let's wrap it up there for the week. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, subscribe to the DLF family of podcast mega feed. 
And uh, once you subscribe to the Super Show, do us a favor and uh, rate and review the show. It helps us to get out to more people and touch on more topics that are useful to you, our super friends. Get at us on Twitter at Superflex Show. Even better, hit us up individually. We're so much better at responding to that. Uh, I, I, we still have DMs from like three weeks ago on the Super Show account that I have yet to read. So yeah, get to us individually. That's way better. James is at underscore James the Brain. Brian's at Brian Har FF. Ethan's at E Turner FF underscore PT. Swags is at Swagzilla zero G. The zero right. is spelled out right. Is yeah, that- I was hoping I wasn't gonna have to be like Swag zero G now or something <laughs> like that. Man, yeah, that's how I should have done it. Uh, missed opportunity, big time. <laughs> <laughs> and Bills at Super Dupa Flex. Um, oh, and I'm at Super Flex, dude. Yeah, I, I should throw that one in too, just in case. Uh, thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Music, Heart and Soul Radio for the music. Thank you to my co-hosts for their time, and above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah.